At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying his word together. Today, we invite you to tune in for our current series, Revealed, stories with purpose as we study the parables of Jesus, reading stories with the power to reveal God's truth in our lives. Father God, we want to thank you this morning for our freedom, for the freedom we have in Jesus freedom to know you, freedom to praise you, freedom to serve you. We're no longer a prisoner to fear or to sin anymore. We've been set free. And we thank you for that this morning. We thank you for sending your precious and powerful Holy Spirit, who's the joy giver. And today, the joy we have, the world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. We thank you for the eternal joy we have in Jesus. And so we're going to use that freedom today to give you shouts of praise as we say hallelujah, 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 amen, and amen. Come on, people of God. Let's give God praise, glory, and honor this morning. Come on, you can do better than that. Let's give God the praise that is due his name. Well. If you're in the building, you can be seated. If you're at home, you can stand up. No, that's just a joke. Uh, let me just say welcome to all of our friends that are gathered with us this morning uh, here in person. It's amazing. Today, officially 10 of our, no, 11 of our 14 campuses are open. Three will be opening uh, later in July. Praise God. Uh, thousands of people are gathered together uh, to have not only uh, times of uh, joy-filled worship, but also in safety as well. But we're also equally as thrilled to say welcome to all of our friends who are watching us uh, by a way of live streaming at home. We want you to know we love you and we thank God for you. And uh, we're praying for you as well. And we just pray that the joy uh, that is here is in your house as well. So from our home to yours, uh, we love you. Uh, listen, this has been like planning a party for the last uh, couple of weeks, like a huge, big party. And any party planners out there, any event planners out there uh, that know what I'm, what I'm talking about, when I started a couple weeks ago, I had an afro, and here I am now. All my hair is gone. No, I'm just joking, just joking. It was a high-top fade. But, um, uh, but, but this has been a stressful it's been a stressful uh, season because when you're planning a party, you got to make sure that everything is in place, right? So you have your checklist, right? So your checklist starts with supplies. Are all the supplies in place? And so uh, we got hydration stations. And as Pastor EJ alluded to, we got these kids uh, coloring packs where you can follow along with the sermon and, and you get crayons. And we, we say that it's for kids and that's just to give cover to all of the adults who really like to color. And so if you're an adult, just grab one and say it's for your kids and uh, we won't judge you too much. And then there's uh, activities packs that you grab on your way out. So all of the supplies are in place. And then we had to make sure the seating was all right. And so everybody gets their, uh, their uh, constitutional right to six square cubic feet of space so that no one is breathing your air. It is your air by, by yourself. But we made sure that all of the seating was, was done. But if you are planning a party, how many know that as important as the supplies are in the seating, uh, that the most important part of it is that you send the invitations 
that you send invitations and that you invite uh, your friends to come. And so we sent out this open invitation to say, hey, you are welcome. You are welcome here no matter who you are or where you're from. You are welcome in the house of the Lord. How many think the house of the Lord should have that open welcome? And today... I want to talk about that open welcome. So if you are uh, one of the kids or adults who like to color, you can uh, follow along. And the title of today's message is the parable of the open invite banquet. The parable of the open invite banquet. Now, what we're going to look at is a section of scripture in which Jesus was invited to a party. It was a dinner party and uh, they invited Jesus and I don't know what they expected, but Jesus gave them something totally different than what they expected. And let me just say on the front end of this message that what we're about to read is a celebration. It's an exciting thing, but it is so deep and profound. And the big message of this whole thing is that Jesus has a way of disrupting our assumptions. And this is exactly what he did with this group that invited him to this dinner party. I'm going to try to pull out some points, but you're probably going to go want to go deeper in your time of study uh, as well. Look at verse number one. Verse number one gives us kind of the context of where we're going to go later on as we look at one of the great stories of Jesus. Because by the time we get to verse 15, we're going to read a parable. Now remember, the series we're in is called Revealed. And it's, uh, it's parables. We've been studying par parables throughout the book of Luke. Now, a parable is simply a story that Jesus told. But here's what makes it so powerful. It's a story that reveals something about the eternal character of God. And it's rooted in absolute truth. And it turns upside down all of our assumptions. These stories are really powerful because you start out the story thinking you're knowing exactly where he's going with it, right? Have you ever watched a movie and you thought, I have this whole thing figured out? But the best movies have this unexpected, uh, unexpected plot twist somewhere towards the end. Well, that's how Jesus' stories are. They start out with you thinking, I know exactly where this is going. Then there's a plot twist that causes you to say, man, I thought I had this whole kingdom thing figured out, but maybe, just maybe, I need to see it through his eyes and not my own. Verse number one, one Sabbath, uh, when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, there, uh, they were watching him carefully. This one verse gives us some really deep and profound truth. First off, we know that this was a Sabbath. And so part of the tradition of uh, the Hebrew culture, the Jewish people, just like us today, is after they had a good worship service, what did they do? What every red-blooded person of God would do, go out to eat. So they would have these uh, Sabbath lunches, meals, uh, dinner banquets where they would invite over friends and family after uh, they gathered together. So it's a Sabbath day uh, meal, and it's at someone's house. And what is this someone? We find out they're a ruler in the, in the synagogue. They're a ruler of the Pharisees. The NIV actually says it was a prominent Pharisee, getting at the, at the same thing. So Jesus was just invited uh, by someone who was a part of the upper class. 
someone who was a part of the upper crust, someone who had affluence and influence. So who would you expect to be around the table? You would expect other prominent people to be around the table. Have you ever gotten one of those invites? One of those invites where you knew you had to dress up extra nice? One of those invites where you knew there were going to be power brokers around the table? Well, that is exactly the setting that Jesus was brought into. Now, we're going to skip reading a few verses, but let me just tell you the backdrop. They also invited someone else. In addition to all the prominent people and Jesus, verse 2 tells us they invited one man who didn't seem to fit because he was afflicted with a disease called the dropsy. And what the dropsy was, was this disease that caused you to swell or to bloat, and there was a smell that went along with it. And, and, and they, they invited him, though, and they invited Jesus with intentions other than showing great hospitality. Well, Pastor Chris, how do you know that? It says in verse number one that they were watching him. They were carefully watching him. In other words, they didn't invite him hoping he would have a great meal. They were setting him up. This wasn't about hospitality. This was about hostility. They uh, were concerned about his growing popularity. They didn't like the fact that his followership was expanding, and they wanted to trip him up, and they knew Jesus. They knew him well enough to know that he loves to heal sick people. How I many thank God that he loves that? He loves to uh, care for the brokenhearted. How I many thank God that that is his character? Even his enemies know that, right? He loves to forgive and show mercy and grace. And so they said he won't be able to avoid this trap. And here's the trap. According to their rules of their day, their traditions, you weren't supposed to do any work on the Sabbath, which they included in that healing of the sick. And so Jesus, knowing they were trying to set him up before they could even open their mouths and issue out the bait, he dealt with the elephant in the room for them, and he asked them a question. And here's the question he asked them. He says to them, is it lawful for a man to be healed on the Sabbath? And they were stunned because he had just dealt with the elephant in the room, and before they could even respond, he heals the man right in front of their eyes, and, and just as they're getting ready to say, aha, we have the smoking gun, now we can imprison him and interrogate him, now we can defame him. Jesus says, before you do that, let me ask you another question. Which of you, if your son or your oxen fell into a ditch, would not rescue them? And now the plot twist was on, and they were all ashamed because all of them knew that in spite of their religious traditions, they would break it. They may not break it for a sick man, but they would break it for an animal, a piece of property, something that cost them economically. It was exposing their hearts. And my friends, this dinner party just changed in its tone. Can you imagine being at the dinner party? Hey, I came for the hors d'oeuvres, I came for the laughs, I came for the networking, and now Jesus has just upset the whole thing. Now they wish they would have never invited Jesus. But what Jesus is doing is something deeper. This really isn't about uh, uh, social gatherings. This isn't really even about dinner parties. This isn't even really about banquets, but he's using that as an illustration. He is using who they invited to their table to teach them a lesson about who God invites to his table. And so then we go to verse number 12. 
And in verse number 12, we see our first major point. Again, if you're following in our coloring guides or at home, Jesus is going to challenge them to check your current invite list. And here's what he says. He says in verse number 12, he said, also to the man who had invited him, when you give a, a dinner party or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. Can you imagine being this guy hosting a dinner party and Jesus leans over to you and says, hey, got some advice for you. Next time you throw a party, don't invite these guys. Don't, don't invite your friends, your brothers, don't invite your neighbors. Don't invite all of the people of prominence. And see, what Jesus was getting at, it, it wasn't like he was trying to say, hey, I'm ending forever this whole sense of fellowship with friends or, or fellowship with relatives. What Jesus was after was not so much the restriction, but the expansion. What Jesus was trying to do is say to this man, I'm concerned about who was not invited. Notice verse number 13 and 14, but when you give a feast, invite the poor, the cripple, the lame, the blind. The poor, the cripple, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Jesus totally upsets what is true in the human heart, what is true in my heart and what is true in your heart, and that is for, uh, far too often we are driven by the law of reciprocity. We, we, we know the law of reciprocity, right? It kind of goes like this. I scratch your back and you, yeah, you've been there before, right? I scratch your back and you scratch my back. In other words, um, everything about advancing socially tells us that the people we want to spend the most time with are those that can repay us or those that uh, we enjoy or those that we like. How many enjoy having dinner with people you like? How many enjoy that by the show of hands? Again, I don't think that that is uh, unique. All of us enjoy being around people that we like, but what Jesus is trying to teach them is a deeper principle, and that is as you grow up in Jesus, who you love begins to expand broader and broader and broader. If we want to love like Jesus, we're going to have to love some folks that we're currently not loving. We're going to have to invite some folks we're currently not inviting. So here's the tough question that made the dinner really uncomfortable and makes this sermon really uncomfortable. Here's the question, my friends. Who, who have you invited to your table? Who, who's at your table? Now, as I look at my life, most nights at my table are people that I feel comfortable with. Most nights at my table are people that I know or I enjoy. Most nights at my table are people from the very categories that Jesus was saying, hey, when you throw a party, don't invite these people again. The focus is not the restriction, it's the expansion. What Jesus is saying is there are some folks who should be at your table that aren't currently at your table. 
You know, I got little ones. I got, I got a, a, a whole quiver full of little kids at home. So y'all pray for me. If you haven't been praying for me, just pray for me. I got them from newborn to teenagers. And the church said, amen. But I got a great therapist. But anyway, um, my, my, my little kids, it's really interesting watching their circle of love expand. When, you're, when they're really, really little, pretty much the only person they're loving is them. They, they know what they want, they want it now, but as they grow up a little bit, it's sweet when you see mom and dad enter into the circle of love. Isn't that awesome? And, and then you see siblings enter into that circle of love as they grow. And then grandparents enter into that circle of love. And all the grandparents said, amen, right? And, and, then, and then extended family. And now I, I got a teenage daughter, and her circle of love is extending to friends and, and social group that's broader than just our family. Jesus wants us to extend our our circle of love. And as we grow up in Christ, if we're going to love like Jesus, we're going to have to begin to love some folks that we aren't currently loving. If you're going to measure your spiritual growth anywhere, don't measure it simply by whether or not you can pass a statement of faith quiz, but measure it based off of who am I loving? Am I loving like Jesus? How many want to love like Jesus loved? Come on, show me your hands. Some of you are nervous and you're saying, Chris, you're setting me up. And you're exactly right. I am setting you up. Because God so loved the, God so loved the, how many thank God that he loved the world? Now, that's a pretty bold statement. That's a revolutionary statement. Because just think about who's in the world. Are atheists in the world? Oh, it got quiet in this church. I want to talk to this side of the room because this side isn't with me anymore. Are Muslims in the world? And God so loved the what? World. Are the poor in the world? God so loved the? Are drug addicts in the world? So God so loved the? Are people from the other political perspective than you in the world? I just lost the crowd. I was, I was preaching real good, had a lot of amens and then... I hit the wrong thing. So I'll go back to the text. But before I go back to the text, let me just say that what God is challenging them with and what Jesus is challenging us with is who have you not invited to your table and why? Who have you excluded from the kingdom? Who have you deemed unworthy of your love and thereby unworthy of of my love? Who who have you deemed unsavable, unforgivable, unworthy of grace, unworthy of mercy, unworthy of love? Because that's who should be at your table. That's who I'm encouraging you to begin to love in a deeper way. And when you begin to understand this story, you realize this text, that it is far deeper, far more challenging than what we would have expected from a simple dinner party. Be careful the next time you invite Jesus to dinner. The big idea of this text is that we need to share the open invitation into God's celebration. 
we need to share the open invitation into God's celebration. There is a big celebration going on. Jesus died so that there could be this celebration, and all of heaven is busy right now, making preparations for this great uh, banquet, this wedding feast of the Lamb. And, uh, and Jesus has this open in invitation, and he is saying, if you want to come, now is the time to come. If you need grace, now is the time to come and receive grace. If you need mercy, it is available now. If you are searching for love, search no more. It is available to you now. He's literally saying to the world, the, 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 the up and out, the down and out, those who are rich, those who are poor, those who are black, those who are white, those who are on the, the left side of the political spectrum, those who are on the right side of the political spectrum. He is literally saying to everyone, one, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I don't know who you know that needs rest, but now is the time for you to let them know that the table is spread. And maybe you're here today and you need rest. Or maybe you're watching me live streaming and you need rest. Let me tell you, the invitation has been sent. You are welcome to God's party. And you may be an introvert, but that was a great time to shout hallelujah. You may be quiet, but that was a great time to give God praise. How many thank God that he has invited you to his table and that you are invited to the party? The table is spread. Grace is available. Mercy is available. Love is available. Peace is available. And Jesus is saying, for a limited time, anybody who wants to come can come. Amen? I got to preach one more service to so let me conserve my energy. But then he tells a story to help to illustrate the point. And his story is meant to bring this point to bear. And that is, he wants you to see how Jesus invites everybody. And I want you to see this, how Jesus invites everybody. Look at verse number 15. When one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. In other words, Jesus, I got it. I got it. Blessed is everyone who's invited. And then Jesus says something to him and to the rest that, again, challenges their assumptions. He says in verse number 16, but he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at that time, for, I'm sorry, and at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who have been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have uh, bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have brought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go quick, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, sir, what you commanded has been done. 
and still there is no room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. You see what Jesus just did? He switched from challenging them with the question of who have you invited to your table to challenging with the question, have you responded to God's invitation to his table? He's challenging the very religious leaders who think that they've already punched their ticket. And what he is saying is that you might think you've punched your ticket, but you are missing out on the kingdom. You are missing out on what God is doing. God is moving in so many ways, so many powerful ways that you are missing out on. Open your eyes. Uh, Jesus is here. The kingdom is here. God is on the move. And my fear, friends, is that even in our day, God is moving in ways that we would not expect or we would not have predicted. God is upsetting our assumptions, and he is saying, are you going to be invited in? Are you going to come in? Are you going to accept the invitation, or are you going to be outside of the invite? Are you going to be outside of the kingdom and outside of the move of God? And notice the uh, excuses they gave him. And I love that the Bible calls them just what they are. They are excuses. The first guy gives him an excuse. Listen, uh, Jesus, I would have come, but um, I've just brought some land, and I need to go and examine the land. I need to go check out the land. That's, That's a pretty bad excuse. That's pretty bad. First off, you're telling me you can't check it out before the dinner party or after the dinner party. But let's be really honest. Did you really buy the field sight unseen? Didn't you examine it already on the front end? That's just an excuse. And then the other guy comes to him and says, hey, I would have come, but I just got married and I I can't come. What, your wife don't like food or something? I mean, come on. I mean, how many wives out there like to eat good food? Come on, show me your hands. Tell the truth and shame the devil. Come on. You're just making an excuse now. We got the best foods, and you're telling me your wife doesn't like a great dinner. As Craig Blomberg, the New Testament uh, scholar from Denver Seminary, said that all of these excuses are lame excuses. That's a technical term for them. They're lame excuses. But Jesus invites them to make an exchange. Exchange your lame excuses for inviting the lame. Notice the list again. It keeps showing up. He he says that at his table, he's inviting the poor, the cripple, the lame, the blind. The poor, the cripple, the lame, the blind. Don't you ever get so far in your journey with Jesus that you don't identify with these categories. When you're reading this text, as it talks about the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, you should not just be thinking about those out there. How many know that but by the grace of God, there go I? How many know that I was blind and he gave me sight? I was poor and he gave me an inheritance. That I was lost and he found me. How many thank God that he saves the poor, the blind, the crippled, the lame? Because if he didn't, we wouldn't be here, but praise God that we're here. Come on and give him praise for his goodness and his grace. And so he says to them, have you punched your ticket? Have you said yes? And I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you that question. Have you punched your ticket? Have you said yes? 
Have you said yes to his mercy? Have you said yes to his grace? Life is far too heavy for you to carry by yourself. If 2020 has taught us anything, it is that we are finite, that we are so easily disrupted. Who would have thought that this little virus could shut down the entire global economy? Just when man, in all of our advancements, in all of our technology, and all of our innovation, thought that we had become gods, God reminds us, no, you are mere men. You are simply mortal, and you are in need of a savior. And while you are trying to, through your technology, create a superhuman race to rescue you, You don't need to look any further. I have already sent the perfect superhuman, the God-man. His name was Jesus, and he comes with divine blood coursing through his veins. Born of a woman, born under sin, came to rescue us and to set the captive free. And putting your trust in in him makes you a new creature. The old things pass away. Behold, all things become new, and you can live in the newness of life. If you accept the invitation, my friends, today can be a great day of celebration to you. Not just because of the Sunday brunch you have planned after this service, but because you've been invited to the great wedding feast of the Lamb. Punch your ticket and make sure that you're there. But there's something else in this text, and that is the question of who needs to be invited to the party? Who needs to be invited to the party? Who do you need to invite to God's party? Did you notice that there's different characters in Jesus' story? And if you're reading any of the parables, one of the things you need to do is locate yourself in the story. And so uh, we know that we're not the person throwing the banquet. That person throwing the banquet is who? It's God, right? God is the one throwing the banquet. Don't be afraid. I'm not setting you up. Yeah, it's, it's, it's God throwing the banquet, right? Now, we might be those who have ignored the invitation, but I will also say there's a third group here, and that is those servants who were sent out to make the invitation. My friends, today I want to encourage you that if you have already accepted Christ's invitation, the job's not done. We also have been given these invitations to go to people who feel outside of God's love. And let me just say this, in order for you to really understand this text, you have to hearken your memory back to a time when you were not invited, when you were on the outside. Some of you can remember uh, growing up, some of the guys in here might remember growing up being on the baseball diamond or the football field or the basketball court, and you're the littlest one out there, or you aren't coordinated, and everybody's playing a pickup game, and they're picking their teams, the captains are picking their teams, and you're the last man standing. Anybody ever been there before? Before my growth spurt, I was there. I was there. Or maybe you might remember early in your career, when you're first starting out your career, and and, uh, there's these prominent gatherings for people who are successful in your particular field, and you're off the invite list. Do you remember those days? I don't know what those days are like for you, but go back to a time when you felt like you were on the outside and Jesus is saying, don't ever forget that feeling because I have called you to go find somebody who feels unlovable, unworthy of grace, unworthy of mercy, someone who feels so far and so outside of the church and invite them in. 
I love working for the local church. I love working here at Woodside. But one of the occupational hazards of working for a local church is that most of my time is spent with Christians. Now, don't get me wrong. I really do like Christians. They're really nice people. But if you're not careful, you'll spend all of your time with those who have already been invited to the banquet. And the Father wants his house full, and there is still yet room. There is still yet room room. There is room for those of you who have not yet come, and there are room for your co-workers. There's room for your neighbors. There's room for the atheist. There's room for the Muslim. There's room for the poor. There's room for the addict. If they will put their faith in Jesus, no one who calls upon the name of Jesus shall in any ways be cast out. How many thank God that there is still room at our Father's table? So, as I close, don't ever disconnect the hospitality of who's at your table with who's going to be at God's table. Because so often what God uses is hospitality as a doorway to invitation. You may not have the credibility yet to invite your neighbor or your coworker to Jesus, but can you invite them to Starbucks? Maybe they won't listen to your witness yet about uh, giving their life to the Lord, but can you invite them over for a meal? Because if you invite them to your table, odds are you're going to have the opportunity to invite them to God's table. So that's it, my friends. I want you to, uh, to think about that and to apply that to your life this week. And, and parents, there's a backside of this page. You get on the backside of this page and you can begin to ask your kids questions like, when have you felt excluded? And how did you feel once you discovered that you were not invited? And why do you think Jesus told this story to the Pharisees? And, and what did God teach you today? And if you have a child, walk with them through it. Or if you're an adult who loves to color, you're welcome to color as well. We will not judge you. Everybody stand. We're going to close in worship today. But I close with a challenge to you. Who is God speaking to you about inviting to your table? And who does God want us to invite to the party here at our church? Let's pray. Father, we ask the Lord as we get ready to worship you, the Lord, that you would just fill our hearts with joy on the fact that we have been invited into your party. And we want to invite others into the party. So, Lord, help us to do so. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. And all God's people once again said a big hearty amen and amen. Come on and give God praise. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together this week. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and to get you connected to the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org forward slash connect to introduce yourself today.